Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Well, glad you're all here today. Father, uh, I just ask this morning, God, that you would just come and that you just move amongst your people this morning. God, they come. Uh, taking the time, God, to gather in this place, God, according to your word, according to your heart's desire, according to your passion and your love for us. And so, Lord, I, I just pray your blessing would just flow over your people today, God, that you just touch every heart, God, that has genuinely come seeking your presence. And God, for those who haven't come really uh, seeking or hungry, that you'd stir up their hunger today, that you would draw them in to your presence, because that's the God that you are. And you are the awesome one that we serve. And so, Lord, we bless you today. And we just thank you for your moving in our midst in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? There's a man. His name is Jesus. And and I want to take you back to the future. Take you back in the sense we want to go back and visit uh, a time when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. Because it's going to make a difference for how you move forward in the future. And so I just want to share with you here out of Luke chapter 6. And uh, starting at verse 6. So if you're following along in, in the word there, that's awesome. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 6 uh, and going through until verse 11. And we find this account in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, every every one of them, I'm going to follow through Luke. And, and as we go along this morning, I'm just going to pull some other elements out of the other ones. But I'll leave it up to you to kind of dig into those other ones. Uh, but here we find in verse 6, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand in the midst. And he arose and he stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do, to do evil, to save life or to kill? And when, they had look, and when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. You know, there is so much in this that I believe uh, that just brings to us life, that brings principles for us in the very hour in which we're living. And, you know, it says in the beginning here, it says he was teaching in the synagogue. You know, God has a heart for you and me. He comes to teach us. He wants us to know his ways. And, and so he comes in our midst and, and he's raised up people to teach and, and to minister and impart the word. He's given you his word because he wants you to take hold of that word because it'll change and it'll transform your life. But it's not all 
about just hearing the word. And so when Jesus comes this day to the synagogue, he sees a man with a withered hand. This man's hand is withered. And, you know, Jesus, he comes this morning for you and me, and he's looking for the needs. What are the needs that are in the midst this morning? But on the other hand, the Pharisees, they're not looking for the need. They're just looking to a law that they've made. They're just looking to the law that they've set. And instead of their desire to want to bring life, instead of their desire to want to impart to people things that will be helpful to them and bless them and help them to walk in life, they are looking to Jesus to see if he will heal on the Sabbath. Now, it's interesting, if you read in the other accounts of this Gospels, it was the Pharisees who actually first asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So when Jesus replies and here, he's actually taking a question and replying to their question. And he says to them, he turns it around. And he says, is it good? Is it good to, or sorry, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? So he equates healing with doing good. Now, they had a law, and by the way, it was a man-made law, that they were, there was to be no healing on the Sabbath. It was not God's law. And this is so important for us in the hour in which we live, is that we realize what are the laws that are of God, and what are the laws that are of man? Because that makes a huge choice how you step forward. It makes a huge choice how you choose to move ahead. And so... You know, right now, uh, with some of our desire to move back to the church, right? There's, there's some law here, uh, or at least a very strong suggestion that when we come together, when we gather together again, that we shouldn't sing. So I want to ask you, like Jesus asked them, is it good, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it, amen, is it good to sing on the Sabbath? You know, we're not supposed to sing. They're saying... They're suggesting we don't sing on the Sabbath. But, you know, it says in Psalm 147, right, that it's good to praise the Lord. It's beautiful to praise his name. It's good. You know, that's one out of hundreds of verses that talk about the goodness of praising God. Now, I'm just, I'm just taking one example here, okay? There's a lot of stuff uh, going on with this. But, so, if it's good, don't you think that God is going to bless it? If it's good, don't you think that God is, is going to bring increase in people's lives? Don't you think that if it's good, that God is going to protect you in it? So I think it's so important that, that we think on these terms. We think on these terms and, and, and begin to make things, what is good? And in the midst of that, are we going to meet the need by following that which is good in the eyes of the Lord. Now, as you know, the Pharisees, they were looking, uh, and it says they were looking for an occasion to accuse him. And that word accuse there actually means to bring charges. And as you know, through the COVID experience, um, you know, there's been fines handed out to people, right, for certain things. And, I, and I'm not saying that some of those fines, I'm not saying some of those people did things they shouldn't have done, okay? But there was fines handed out to people. But uh, 
and in the same sense here, the Pharisees were looking to really find Jesus, to bring a charge is what literally what that accusation means, to bring a charge against him. And, you know, Pastor Travis and, and that, we've been trying to impart again and again the importance for us to walk by faith, not, not walk by fear, okay? And, and some people, uh, I think the fear is, is the possibility of getting the actual disease, and some people, it's, it's the fear of, oh, I'm going to get fined if I do this. Like, I'd like to do this, but I'm going to get fined if I do it. And whatever choice you make, it's never right to make the choice out of fear. It's never right to make the choice out of fear. And so Jesus stands up in the midst of this. And, and I just want to say, and, and, and this is my take on it, and I'm not sorry in, in terms of this pandemic. But I want to say this. The virus is real, but the pandemic is fake. And if you want to if you want to check that for yourself, all you have to do is Google it. And, and Google and find out how many people over the last year or whatever year have died of the flu. Google how many people have died of cancer. Google how many people have died of heart disease. And check the numbers. And you'll find... We do not have a pandemic. And so the virus is real. Yes, there's a virus out there. Yes, people get it. Yes, people die from it. But no more than they get these other things or die from the other things. In fact, in a lot of cases, less. The only part of the pandemic that I'm going to say is real is the fear that has been created. The fear that has been, been fed. And God does not want us to live under that fear. God does not want you to make choices based upon that fear. And so, is it good? You know, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to sing? I'll leave that for you to answer. I know what my answer is. And, uh, and so we find here um, this man that, again, his right hand is withered. It's interesting that in the Gospel of Luke, it says it was his right hand. Because the right in Scripture, the right hand often speaks of blessing. The right hand often speaks of authority. The right hand uh, often speaks of honor, right? Because Jesus, right, when he ascended after he gave his life for us. He ascended to the Father and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. When, when God the Father and Jesus, when they are going to have the nations, when this is all over and we stand before him and he judges the nations, he's going to have the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So the right was the place of blessing. Those were, he said, blessed are you of my Father to inherit the kingdom. And so here's this man, his hand is withered, his right hand is withered. Which means the blessing in his life has dried up. The authority that, that he once had to walk in his life is dried up. And his ability to bless others is dried up. He has no honor in his life. And Jesus, you know, all the Pharisees, they're, they're looking at this guy and they're just looking to see, you know, if Jesus is going to do something wrong. But Jesus comes into the synagogue that day. And he sees a hand. He sees a hand that's withered. He sees, you know, the hand, the hand is for service. 
The hand is, is to minister to people and a hand to bless people. And Jesus says, I want to restore that hand. I want to restore the authority in that man's life. I want to restore his ability to be able to serve other people. And so Jesus challenges the law that the Pharisees had made in that day in order that he might restore this man. He has to challenge the law in order to meet the need. And you know, that's the same for us today. There's times when you have to challenge the thing. And what I find interesting is, you know, the big question is, you know, Jesus, why did you have to heal him on the Sabbath? Like, why did you go and do that? Like, they could have healed him any other day of the week. Why, why, why did you do it on the Sabbath? Why stir it all up? Why create this problem and, and that sort of thing? But Jesus, you know, he saw a need. There was a need that day. There was a need in the moment. And so he asked the man here to come and arise, he says, and stand in the midst. And the man stands up. Now, as you know, the Pharisees are looking. And so I can assure you that this man had some sense. I don't believe in a minute, for a minute that he was naive to the tensions that were in the room of the synagogue that day. And so when Jesus says to him, arise and stand in the midst, he's making a choice. He's making a choice on his part. And you and I have to make a choice on our part. And when Jesus speaks to him after he's asked the crowd, you know, whether it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath, whether it's lawful to bring life on the Sabbath, he says to the man, stretch out your hand. So again, the man had to make another choice. It was his choice to stand. It was his choice to stretch out his hand. And when he's making that choice, he's making that choice knowing that if he cooperates with Jesus, he likewise is going to have to take some of the flack. He's, going, he's also going to have to take some of the accusation that may come his way for participating and cooperating with this restoration, with this life that Jesus is wanting to impart. But... The man with the withered hand, he chooses to stand up because he knows who can bring life. Because he knows who can restore. And so he says yes to Jesus. He says yes to Jesus. And our question this morning for us is, are we going to say yes to Jesus? So, Jesus asked the question, as we know, and it says he looked around. He looked around after he asked the question. Is it good? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to heal? I'm going to say today, is it lawful to sing in church? Is it law? All these things, okay? Uh, is, is, it, is it good? Is it good? And he looks around, and one of the other Gospels tells us that he looks around at them in anger. 
He looked around at them in anger. It says he was angry because of the callousness, it says, of the hardness of their hearts. Because they had been moved to such a place, they had looked at the law in such a way that they would actually rob people of life. They would actually rob them of the life and, and, and the, the freedom and, and the deliverance and, and the impartation that it was meant to bring. They'd taken the law and, and taken the letter of it and were killing people instead of realizing the purpose, the intention of it, which is why Jesus says, is it lawful to do good? They were missing the good part. And so Jesus is coming here and he looks around at them in anger. You know, God is looking around today and, and, and he knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He knows my thought today. And I just want you to know if, if your heart, if your hand this morning, if your hand of service, maybe your heart is withered. Maybe your thoughts are withered because of all the stuff that you've been bombarded with. Because we're all trying to work this out, right? I mean, and we've all felt some sense of, of frustration in the midst of it. Well, I want you to see Jesus here. He was frustrated. He was angry at the result of the response of how they were looking at it. And we find out afterwards that when he healed, when he restored the man, that it said the Pharisees were in rage. In verse 11, they were reading that they were in rage. And it says in one of the other gospels, they went out and they plotted with the Herodians. So this wasn't a happy day at the synagogue. You know, Jesus is angry at them and they're angry at him. Now, we need to stop and look at this because I want you to know that no matter what your choice is today, for one, you have to make a choice. How, how you respond to this is a choice that you have to make. And no matter what choice you make, somebody is going to be angry with you. Somebody's going to be upset. Somebody's going to think that you're not doing it the right way. But what really matters is you put that aside and say, what is God saying to me? What am I supposed to do right now? What am I supposed to do in this hour? Are you looking for the needs around you? Are you looking to restore life? Because you have to make that choice because people are going to be upset no matter what you do. Now, so we come back and we look at the anger aspect of it. We look at the frustration aspect of it. I want you to see the difference between Jesus' anger and the anger, the rage of the Pharisees. Jesus met a need. Jesus restored life. He restored honor to a man. He gave a man hope in his life. He, he gave a man the opportunity to begin to exercise his authority again. That's what Jesus did with his, with his anger. That's, that's fruitful. That's beneficial. But the Pharisees, what did they do in their anger? 
It says they went out and they plotted with the Herodians how they might destroy him. It's very interesting that they plot with the Herodians because the Herodians in that day, they were a political party with whom the Pharisees actually were arch enemies. Because the Pharisees, they were, they were actually looking for Messiah. They didn't see Jesus when he was right in front of them. But they were actually looking for, for a Messiah. That was part of their doctrine. That was part of what they were looking for. But they had a whole different concept of who the Messiah was. But they were looking for a Messiah. The Herodians, who were a political party in that day, they already had their Messiah. It was Herod. It was the dynasty of Herod. They believed that Herod uh, and his dynasty was going to rise up and deliver them from the Roman bondage that they were under. But yet here we find them because of their anger, because of their rage. They come to such a point where they actually will plot and, and they'll get together with somebody who's actually an enemy of theirs in order to destroy Jesus, in order to destroy someone who's trying to do good. I want to say the church is here to do good, amen, in the land. The church is here to, to minister this community, to help people uh, be restored, to see their withered hands, their withered hearts restored. You have to realize that sometimes when when the world, when the government, whatever, uh, whoever's making some of these laws up, they don't see life the way that you do. And so you have to realize that sometimes you have to make a choice that yes is not going to follow in line with them because they don't see, they don't see the better. They just think, you know, a lot of the world would look at the church and just say, they're just going to the church building. They're just doing their religious duty. They just go there. They sing a few songs. They hear a message. And then they go home the same way that they came. But that's not church. Right? We know church is more than that. Church is about seeing the man with the withered hand and bringing restoration. Bringing healing. And, I, and, you know, before we finish today, I want to ask a response of you today. And I don't, I'm not asking you to drum everything, anything up. But some of you, your thoughts have been withered. Maybe it's been from the fear of the pandemic. You know, maybe, maybe you, you've just been frustrated with it, or maybe something's going on. Maybe your hand, maybe it has nothing to do with the COVID experience. Maybe your your hands withered up because you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe your hands withered up because you know you're 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 frustrated with what's going on at work. Maybe your hands withered up because you're in a terrible financial state this morning. But I don't know what your situation is, but Jesus knows. Jesus is looking around. He knows all your thoughts. He knows all of your circumstances and your situations. But whatever they are, he's here to restore. He's here to bring restoration to that withered hand. And to bring you up again in your place of honor. To bring you up again in your place of blessing people. To bring you up again in your place of authority that he wants you to walk in. Now, I realize we can do stuff offline, you know, as a church, and, and, and we do that. We want to do that. It's good. And, and maybe the world could look at it in the sense and say, 
hey, you know, they can just do it offline. Like, they don't need to do their thing, uh, that sort of thing. But see, again, they don't, they don't see church the way you see church. So sometimes when you're making your choice, you have to realize you're making the choice because you see and you understand what they don't understand. And yes, we do offline uh, ministry. And, and yes, we would like to seek to increase that. But I want you to know this morning that the Lord has no intention of making his church an off-premises church to an online church. The whole purpose of online church is to get people from over here and to bring them over here and say, you belong. You're loved. You have a place. You have a purpose in your life. So praise God for the for the online, but the online is to bring them here, is to bring them to the church, bring them to a family, bring them to a place where they can be loved and where they can be nurtured and where they can grow. So, and, and I've read, you know, as a person who's learning to grow in leadership, you know, I've been reading lots of stuff about what other pastors and stuff are doing, and, and there's tons of stuff out there online. And as I say, like, it's it's good, I get it. But on the other hand, like, I am not going to follow that as a mainstream. Like, I am not going to do it. You are not going to see the kingdom of God accomplished by mere online ministry. People need you. People need you to love them. People need you to hug them. People need you. And when you do that, it's releasing life. It's releasing an anointing that that results in healing. And you know what? As I said, the virus is real, but the pandemic is fake. And when I say the virus is real, there's people who get it. My, my, my niece has had it. She lives up in Peterborough, and she's recovered from it. But what I want to say is, as we make these choices, as we move forward, let's say we come back to the church. Let's say somebody gets the coronavirus. Well, isn't God going to be with them in that to see them heal for whatever reason they got it? And I, I don't want to put a heavy on anybody. It's not, it's not about, oh, what happened? You know, what great sin is in their life that they got sick? We all go through sickness, so let's, let's not put that on anybody. Now, I know that a lot of sickness does have to do with shortcoming and sins in our life, right? I mean, the Word of God shows us that. It's not always the case, but many times... It is. So if, if we gather together again as the body of Christ and, and somebody gets sick, aren't we going to love them? Aren't we going to minister for them and, and pray for them the same as we would if they were going, got the flu or, or had heart disease or had cancer? You know, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's lawful to do good. It, it, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And the same as the Father would be there even in the midst of your sickness. You know, the word of God says that a man's spirit sustains him in sickness. So God knows we go through these things. We, we battle and we wrestle with these things. But he's going to be there to nurture us, to bring us back up, to help us to grow in our faith, maybe to help deal with root causes that are causing the sickness or an open door that has caused that. But people, let's not shut down society 
because we think we want to stop the spread of this thing. It's not, it doesn't validate it. It's not validated by that. It's not validated by that. So Jesus touches the man and says, Arise, stand in the midst, and he restores him and restores honor. He restores blessing. And I, I, I just want to close with this. There was a time when Jesus, his disciples were in a boat. And they're going across the sea. And Jesus was behind on the land. And he was praying. And then he went to catch up with his disciples. And to get there, he starts walking on the water. And so he comes and he's passing by the boat. And the disciples all see him. They cry out. They think it's a ghost. And he says, you know, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter says to him, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And so the Lord says to him, so it's the will of the Lord. The Lord says to him, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he begins walking on the water. To Jesus. Now we know he started to doubt and he started to sink. I just want you to know this morning I don't know what place you're at but I want to get out of the boat. I don't know why the other disciples didn't get out of the boat. Maybe just in their faith journey they didn't think they needed to get out of the boat. But I do know this, that you and I today have learned more from that experience of Peter getting out of the boat and going to Jesus than we did from the other 11 who stayed in the boat. Because we learned that not only could Jesus walk on water, but another common, ordinary man could walk on water to go to Jesus. And we know from Peter that if he would just keep his eyes focused on Jesus, he could walk on water. He could accomplish the same things the Lord was accomplishing. We learned, that's what we learned because he wanted to get out of the boat. And that's where I'm at today. And I just want to invite you today. If you want to get out of the boat, if you, if you want to go on in this journey, if God's stirring you today, I want you to just, this is two things I, I would like you to do. I'd like you to just get out of your vehicle and just stand beside your door and say, I, I, Peter, something about this message today, I, there's different aspects that may have touched you, but I want to get out of the boat. And I want to go on with Jesus. If you're here today and maybe your hand's withered, maybe your hand is withered and you want restoration, you want healing, maybe you, you, maybe you have an actual physical thing that you want healing for. Then I want you to just get out of your vehicle and just stand there. And I just want to pray. And, and Pastor Travis, I'd, I'd love for you to come up and, and just uh, join me in this prayer time. And I just want to pray for you that you'll move forward with God in this. You'll walk with God. Don't, don't look at all the fear. Don't look at all the things the world 
is saying, but come this morning and just say, if it's you, Lord, if this is you, tell me to come to you on the water. So, Lord, I just pray for everyone this morning that is responding to you. God, they're not responding to me. They're not responding to me. God, help them if they're responding to me. God, they're responding to you. And they want to walk in their faith. They, they want to go on, Father God, in their faith journey with you. And God, I just pray for your blessing to just come upon them. Just empower them by your spirit today. Let their lives be different as they pull out of this parking lot today. Let them go with a, with a new courage, with a new hope, with a new faith. And God, with eyes that are looking to meet the needs, to reach out and touch the people around them that have withered hands, withered hearts, withered thoughts. And God, we just thank you that today that you are releasing life. And I'm just going to ask Pastor Travis, if you, if you stood up this morning because you had a physical need, I'm just going to ask uh, Pastor Travis to pray over that. And uh, he's going to close the meeting this morning. God bless you. Father, we just lift up physical needs right now. Father, we just pray, God, right now, if you're in this place and you just... Just lift your hands and say, I need healing. I'm just going to pray over you right now. Father, we speak healing right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells and lives inside of every believer. And we, that same spirit will rise up and bring healing in their lives and in their bodies. So we speak complete healing over every aspect of their bodies, their souls. In Jesus' name, we speak healing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ right now. And Father, we, we just take authority over the spirit of fear, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, and we cast you out in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we can be cautious and we can be wise, but we're not making decisions based on fear anymore in Jesus' name. We're going to be a people of faith, and we're going to show faith everywhere we go that we're confident in our God, that he is our provider and he is our protector, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.